Kirsten in the blind, this is Kowalski. They can't hear us. We don't know that. That's why we keep talking. If somebody is listening, they might just save your life. Set your watch for 90 minutes. Why 90? Well, Houston clocked that debris at 50,000 miles an hour. If you factor in our current orbit, then I figure we've got about 90 minutes before we get our asses kicked. We have returned. Who's ready and for some more Blink-182? <laughs> yeah, so uh, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, my name is David. And I am one of those friends, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I actually referred to you as a friend on a, uh, I think it was an Instagram post. I was talking about your your interview with Theo from Gob. Oh, yeah. oh that's, what I, that's what I wanted to mention um, <laughs> because I thought this was funny. Uh, so, and someone on Instagram, I believe it was, was asking us which, which bands we played in. Cause we often mentioned bands, uh, that we played in bands and I'm just going to bring up his name just to give him a quick little shout out. Cause he listens. Uh, where is it? Oh, oh um, but X bada bing X on Instagram. Nice. Let's see if I, does this, does he say what his name is? Um, but anyway, he was saying, what bands do you guys play in? Uh, it says Jay Morello. So, um. I don't know who that is. But anyways, you had mentioned that you played in Means. Uh, and so I, I was just saying, oh, I, I didn't play in any in any bands of note. I just uh, I just played in crappy high school bands or whatever. But Gob, I, any, anytime I think of Gob, I think of this one story where uh, my I was, I was with my friend Grant and his mom. Why were we in the... We were in his vehicle for some reason. I don't know why his mom was there because he had his own truck that we'd always drive around in. But I feel like she was in the vehicle. And anyway, she asked, um, oh, you play in a band. What kind of music does your band play? Uh, to which Gob was playing <laughs> on his CD player. And I said, oh, like this sort of stuff, basically. I'm like, how else do I describe it? Yeah. Right? Like she, I couldn't really go in and give her examples. <laughs> and my buddy Grant just like breaks out laughing. And he's like, like these guys, hey? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know you're nowhere near as good as this, right? I was like, yeah, that's not what I was saying. I was just saying that, you know, we play punk rock sort of stuff, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but uh, he felt the need to uh, to point out the fact that we were, in fact, a pretty bad band, and I was comparing, um, we were listening to The World According to Gob, which nice. is a pretty good record, right? Oh, yeah. So, So anyways, I thought that was funny. I was thinking about that as I was kind of going through uh, your interviews that you did with Theo. So um, if you're a fan of Gob and you haven't heard those, go check them out. It's a two-part interview because, well, why not, right? So, um, but yeah. So anyway, how's how's life, Aaron? I thought just go. I thought you were gonna say back in high school, I actually played in Gob for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, but another story about Gob and that band. They were the I want to say the first and only band that uh, we ever like gave a demo tape to. So. It was funny because we were, Gob was coming, we are going to see them, and our bass player at the time, he was like, oh, uh, him and a friend figured out how to hook up a series of speakers to use as microphones so that we could, because I don't know if you know this, but if you plug a speaker into an input, it actually acts as a microphone. And oh, so yeah. we figured out, yeah, we and, and he, he figured out this way with his buddy to like link all these speakers together 
and then run it into an input on a tape deck and we could like <laughs> spread the speakers kind wow. of around the room yeah to pick up you know sound from around the room and we recorded this demo uh, I don't remember how many songs would have been on it. Like it was, it was very rough, right? But you could hear everything. It was, it was pretty ingenious. But um, anyway, we we couldn't we couldn't come up with a name at the time. That I'm trying to think if we I think we had a name and then we decided we didn't like it for a brief moment in time. So we were like kind of hopping around between different names, and uh, so we're like, well, we need to put a name on this tape because the plan was to give it. If we ran into, like, if we met anyone from Gob, the plan was to give this tape to them. And I believe it ended up being Tom that we ran mm. into from Gob. And um, we were like, oh, we got to have a name on it. So we're, like, looking around the room. And uh, we were at my drummer's place. And he had uh, one of those toys. It was still in the box. But it was, like, a, it said monkey on tricycle. And it's just, like, this monkey that rides a tricycle and then plays, like, cymbals, right? Yeah. And so we're like, what about monkey on tricycle? So we're like, okay, that'll do. That'll do. So we write it on the tape. And when we actually met Tom, I, I believe it, yeah, it was after the show, he was just kind of in front of the stage. We're like, oh, we have this tape we want to give you. He's like, awesome. So he takes it and he looks at it. He's like, monkey on tricycle. That's a great name. <laughs> it's like, it never stuck. That was the only thing that we used with monkey on tricycle. We eventually just went back to our original name, which was Spare Johnny. You should have just <laughs> called it Bog. Bog, yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. But, it, you know, there, there are so many. It's just funny because obviously nothing came of that. But I, it just reminds me of bands that had terrible names to begin with because they just kind of threw something out there and then actually you know had some success and eventually had to change their names like i believe was it uh uh oh finger 11 when they were first signed they were actually the rainbow butt monkeys was the name they had yeah and they're like that's not a very good name we need to change that so they eventually changed it i wonder if if this scenario has ever happened where so imagine you give that demo to tom from gob and on the next album, you're like, hey, I think that's one of the riffs off the demo we gave him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine. I, I probably that happened? That's got to be I'm sure. I'm sure it has like a, a similar thing. I believe um, this has nothing to do with you know the music we talk about, but I, I know the song Stairway to Heaven. Uh, have you heard of it? Um, anyway, the, like the main guitar riff in that, uh, Jimmy Page actually lifted it from a band that was opening for them. Oh, wow. on a tour before that album and was like, oh, I like that. I can't remember, though. The thing is, like, it may have been recorded. I can't remember if that song had been recorded and released yet or if it was just coming out or whatever, but he, he took it from the song. And, I mean, in the end, uh, they were sued and they lost and, you know, they had to hand over some royalties on that song. But oh, I'm sure it happens, yeah, where it's just like, hmm. And, I mean, in general with music, I think that happens anyway, right? Like, well, especially there's only with so many music. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Only so many ideas out there, but... Um, Anyway, so yeah, back to back to what we were about to talk about. What's going on in life these days? It's actually been two weeks since we well, two weeks today, I guess, but yeah. since we since we chatted. Well, I think the only thing that's changed is the weather got warmer, so that's been yes. nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 it really uh, has. yeah. Day to day has been fairly the same. One of the highlights is I've been going for uh, trying to go for a long bike ride every day, just yeah. to get out of the house and listen to music and. So that's been uh, that's been really awesome. It's definitely yeah, been a yeah. highlight. Yeah, the weather weather's gotten quite nice here too. Uh, and you know, not being at work and stuff means we're just doing all sorts of 
yard work. We're literally moving a bunch of rocks from a rock garden in the back to like different places. We're moving them around because we want to get rid of this rock garden and put grass down. Um, so we're doing some landscaping and whatever. I also got a root canal done yesterday. So that was a Sweet. fun little, yeah. yeah, a fun way to spend a Monday afternoon. You're just running out of things to do. It's like, okay, right? we can move rocks and I can get a tooth pulled. Why not? Yeah, which one <laughs> sounds more fun? Yeah. Well, thankfully I still have yeah. the tooth. Didn't get it pulled, but yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was funny because um, so anyway, like this, I, I had this toothache that was bugging me. And of course, with everything shut down right now, I like call my dentist and he's like, well, we can't do anything about it right now for reasons. So I will give you a prescription for antibiotics. So I took that prescription of antibiotics and it helped, got rid of it. And then, or at least like really tamed it down. And then I was off the antibiotics for about a week. And then just this past Sunday, all of a sudden it just like flared up in the middle of the afternoon. And it just didn't go away for quite some time so that night I started a new round of stronger antibiotics and the next day like I didn't sleep at all well I slept a bit that night but not a lot and then my wife just like called the dentist like when would we do a root canal because I'm just like in bed like oh this sucks Uh, and he's like well we do it right now it's just we can't because we don't have the proper protective equipment or whatever right Uh, but this other place does so then she just like called him yep you can come in today so I I was like all right here we go But, uh, yeah, which was great because, I mean, I'd never had a root canal done before. And I was like, oh, man, what's this going to be like? And I was, it's, I mean, the way freezing works, I was almost falling asleep. (laughs) Because I was like, you know, get all frozen up, can't feel anything. They've got this thing in your mouth to help keep your mouth open. I'm just like, all right, well, I'm just laying here, nothing else to do. And I didn't sleep much the night before. So there's a couple times the dentist is like, are you okay? And I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. Because I just, like, let out kind of like a sigh as I'm just, like, relaxed. just like. (sighs) <sighs> He's like, I think something's going oh, on. I'm like, man. no, I'm good. I'm good, man. Like, the freezing's working real well. I'm just, I'm just enjoying myself. <laughs> Even with the freezing, I hate the dentist. Just oh, I still hate yeah. it. Yeah, but like, I, I always forget that like once the freezing's really kicked in, like the freezing is literally the worst part. Um, because like I mean they even you know put some some numbing agent down right. or whatever, so you don't even really feel it. There's still like that. I don't know how to describe it. Like even when you get like. Yeah, but it's like, it doesn't feel like a pinch. It's like this kind of like ache sort of thing right. that, you know, happens. And like that, I, I hate it. Like, it's the same as when, you know, I either get like blood taken or you're getting immunizations or whatever, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, you feel it go in. It's just like this so, like a foreign feeling. Right. But once the free, and I, I mean, I hate the feeling of the freezing, but it's, it really like, obviously it takes it all away, right? Like, so I, I couldn't imagine getting, you know, a root canal without having any sort of yeah. freezing done. It's like when Let's they when he oh one more one more thing <laughs> when you know when they when you go in they're like oh hey, what's up it's like well I got a toothache well what tooth is it I'm like I don't really know because it just kind of radiates right like it sort of moves around between teeth just the way the nerves work and they're like yeah yeah so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this like really cold substance yeah. and we're gonna put it on your tooth and when it we and you let us know when it hurts and how much it hurts or whatever and then when the pain goes away and so they like do a few I'm like yeah okay it hurt you know it's just like as if I bit into ice cream or whatever and it's like a little sensitive I'm like yeah okay and then they when they hit the tooth I'm just like I almost went through the roof I was like oh! <laughs> like hands in the air because he's like he basically says like put your hand up yeah well he says put your hand up high in the air when it hurts or whatever so it's like He's going along. I was like, ah! <laughs> it's like hands straight up in the air. I'm like, ah! Uh, and then finally, you know, he he's like, oh, he's like, I okay. wasn't lucky. Which one was it? We got to do that again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay. Well, it was that tooth. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's all all dealt with. And so far, actually, haven't you know they they give me a prescription for painkillers, but haven't had to use like I've used yeah, regular Advil, but 
haven't had to use any anything with codeine in it as of yet. I've been doing all right. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> I won't lie on like Sunday and early yesterday, I was kind of like uh, the last thing on my brain was wanting to do, you know, any, any, uh, what's it called? Any Rap. pod. Yeah. Well, any podcasting and stuff like that. Yes. Cause it was like when, the, when it kicked up on Sunday, I was actually editing or going through part two of your Theo interview. And I was like, I just stopped. I was like, no, I just need to like lay down or something. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, the toothache is, is gone. The root canal is out of the way. Uh, we're here for another episode, uh, continuing a series. As we mentioned, we're going to kind of like go back and forth a little bit instead of just like, you know, like hitting you with it all at once consecutively, because it's a number of episodes, uh, with some familiar voices going through all of them. Uh, we decided we'd split them up. So hence the Theo interviews last week. Um, we're going to get back into the blink 182 series of podcasts. Uh, we've got two ep- or two episodes, two albums. We're going to talk about, let's start with probably, I would say a lot of people's if it wasn't Enema of the State, I would say a lot of people's introduction to the band. We're going to talk about Blink-182's Dude Ranch. Before I kind of get into, you know, some of the, the interesting bits and whatnot that I've got on this record, why don't you just kind of share your initial introduction, I guess, or or interaction with this record? Yeah. Um, I don't actually really remember when I first heard this one. So I think if I can kind of recall those years um, when Enema the State came out, I'm pretty sure that's the first kind of introduction me and my friends had. And then I think once that album gained exposure then um you know even going as far back as their albums buddha and cheshire cat like i don't know if they repressed them or whatever when they kind of got big and so i almost feel like i heard dude ranch maybe after enema of the state um i can't really recall i i know i got the cd um years later um yeah but for whatever whatever reason um yeah i can't remember exactly when i heard it but yeah, this is one of those albums from them that uh, just didn't get as many plays for whatever reason. Like, I, I can't really pinpoint why that was. Um, but, I mean, every time I go back to it, I love it. Um, it almost, to me, is like a different era of Blink. Like, it, I mean, even just sonically, you know, it's got a different drummer. Um, the songs are a bit different, a bit more raw. Um I don't know. It's it's a great sounding album, in in the mix that it's it's not a skate punk album. It has those elements. It's popier, but it's not necessarily you know pop punk. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really unique album, and maybe 
that's kind of a weird thing. Maybe most people would be like, oh, it's just a normal pop punk album. But yeah, as I listened through it this week, there's just lots of different um, pieces on that album that stand out to me and that kind of make it a special a special album. Yeah. Um, I, I would go as far as to say, like, I, I do think it would probably classify as a skate punk album. Um, it's funny because, like, we differentiate with some of these bands, like, between skate punk and pop punk. And I'm like, realistically, I would say most, if not every skate punk band is at its core kind of a pop punk band before, like, the TRL pop punk sort of right. thing, right? Like, and Blink-182 is interesting for me because they're one of those bands that I think were obviously you know, maybe a little more conscious of writing pop hooks than some of their their peers at the time or what have you. And obviously with Enema of the State, they became like that band that really broke TRL uh, and the pop punk sort of thing and like that whole scene. But they also sound different from a lot of those bands that came yeah. through that. Um, this record itself, like for me, I've I've been, it's funny because when, I kind of bounce around between what my favorite Blink album is. And typically it would be, you know, Enema of the State or Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and then to an extent Dude Ranch. And I think over the years, like Dude Ranch has kind of been or kind of become that one that I attach to and connect with more. Um, and maybe it's those elements that you speak about. You know, it's a little more raw. You can kind of see like what they would become, uh, the different drum. I mean, I love Travis Barker as a drummer, but the drumming is definitely different on Dude Ranch. Yeah, very much. Dude Dude Ranch is this very good, like, balance between, like, the over-raw of Cheshire Cat and, obviously, Buddha before that and, like, the super-polished Enema of the State, right? Like, right. it's this really good middle ground. And I know I've heard Tom and maybe even Mark say, like, with the songwriting on Dude Ranch, there were a few songs where they really felt like, oh, they figured it out, right? Mm. And so Damn It was yeah. one of those songs, which we'll talk kind of a little bit more about that briefly as we get into it. But... Um, but yeah, damn it, being one of those songs where it really like stepped up for them, and they they re they really felt like they were figuring it out. And then obviously, and I mean, Enema of the State's huge, but there is a certain charm uh, to Dude Ranch, and it's just one of those records that immediately puts me in a place. Like when I put it on, I'm you know driving in my friend's truck or a friend's car, just wasting time during high school, right? Like, yeah. and it's it's another one of those ones, much as much as the case for most of Blink's library, where I'm like, it's when as soon as the sun comes out and the temperatures start going up. I want to listen to it, which is very fitting that that's what we're getting into yeah, with you sure. know, the weather change, right? So, but I, I just I, I had some things I did want to say, just kind of some interesting facts as I did some prep for this that I thought we could uh, bring forward. Um, I mean, it was their major label debut for one, which I think we knew. But here's what I thought was interesting: uh, they were signed to MCA Records, even though like Cheshire Cat had like moderate success, like not a whole whole lot. It sold but the, uh, seventy thousand. I saw. Well, like, Which oh, is, I, I'm assuming, yeah. But here's the thing. They were signed to a major label because of their growing success in Australia. Right. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah. that's pretty great. And I mean, and that, that proved to be, you know, true as uh, in Australia, it hit, it peaked at number 25 on the Australian charts. It hit number 42 in Canada and looks like 67 in the States. Um, which I thought, you know, was kind of interesting. The fact that, yeah, like Australia was clearly, I don't know how that becomes a thing, right? Like Australia was clearly their, their target market or whatever at the time. Um, also apparently while recording this album, it was, it was pretty hellacious for the band. Yeah. Uh, both Mark and Tom had vocal issues, which is interesting because I feel like Mark on this record compared to any other record sounds so raw. And it's one of the things I love about it, especially like when you listen to the song, damn it. 
Um, just like his vocal performance in that song sounds way more punk rock than I think he ever does, right? Like out of those two guys, he always kind of had like the smoother, right. um, the smoother voice, right? Tom always had such a unique voice. Mark kind of had, not to say his voice was generic by any means because you hear Mark Hoppus and you know Mark Hoppus, but at the same point, it felt like that voice could have been on anyone. But on, on Damn It and other songs on this record, he sounds so raw. And also, apparently, um, Scott recorded his drum tracks with injuries to both feet. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is when you were saying about them being in the skate punk category, the one thing that is different about this album is there isn't any double kick on it, which a lot right. of skate punk, you know, it's a classic, you know, the tupa 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 yeah, Whereas yeah, this yeah. one, it's just the single kick in there. So yeah. I, I, I wondered if that was... If that was due to the injury, or if that was just his style, um, yeah, I, I, don't know. I know Travis William plays single, but I mean he can he can do the double kick single because he's so good. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I wondered that just if that was intentional or just kind of having to do. I mean, it's crazy to think that he just pulled up his wheelchair there and hopped <laughs> on there and still did it. Like I, I can't imagine you know, what that was like. Do you know what the injuries were? Because I didn't read that. Yeah, they were. <clears throat> They were at a, a house party, I think it was to celebrate getting signed, and <laughs> he jumped off a balcony into a pool or something and like broke both of his ankles. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> That's and it was insane. just like they still just kinda had to go. It was like, Well, we got this time booked or whatever and Yeah. So that's yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> that's pretty nutty. Okay, well, I think, like, for me, the, the I didn't touch on this, but the introduction for me, I, I, much like you, I can't pinpoint exactly when or where I first heard this. I want to say the chances are I probably heard their name through friends or whatever, but I also think probably there's a good chance that I heard, like, damn it, on someone's, like, burn CD, like a mix CD or whatever. Um, But, yeah, it, it is so strange to me that such, you know, an album where I'm like, I can't even remember the first time I heard Blink, but it's, you know, a band and an album that became pretty important to me as far as you know like bands that i got into uh in high school and whatever but let's get in the first song we're going to talk about which i believe was yeah your pick which was waggy they called the song this name and i can't uh, yeah <laughs> i can't recall what it was but so well i can share it because i do have that note so as as far as i can like that i've read and i can tell is that it's just a word that mark said while burping oh and yeah, then he went right. and he's like oh i gotta name a song that and this is literally <laughs> just the song that got stuck with the name waggy <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's i mean it's also 
Oh, I was gonna say real quick. Um, it's it, it originally appeared on the EP. They came to conquer Uranus, right? Which I don't I don't know if you listened to that version. Um, it was re-recorded for Dude Ranch. Uh, I decided to do some digging into this. Like on the original version, Mark actually doesn't sing the line that probably is the most. I want to say iconic line from the song. He doesn't sing "I'll just jack off in my room until then." Right. On the original version, he say, uh, instead sings "I'll just hide in my room but, until right. then." So that's a funny like little change. Like obviously that jack off in my room line that ended up being on Dude Ranch would very much become like a part of who Blink was, especially you know in the late '90s going into the 2000s for the next couple records, right? Um, but I did want to say um, that uh, they came to conquer Uranus. That version of the song registers at about 145 beats per minute and the dude ranch version measures at about 132 beats per minute so they decided to slow it down for whatever reason um but yeah why don't you uh why don't you share your thoughts on waggy and why you picked it yeah this one i mean there's as with all the blink albums we've talked about there's a lot of good songs to pick from and i've kind of gone back and forth with with a number of them but yeah this is just one that as i was biking um yeah, I was just like, man, this is a really cool song, and I went back to it again, and um, yeah, kind of, to me, when I when I listen to it, it's, I kind of take away that it's talking about the regret of not saying what you wish you would have said to someone, um, or someone having false expectations of you. Um, yeah, and that's, a, you know, something I, I can relate to. Um, it's got one of, the fa- one of my favorite choruses on the album. Um, I love Mark's songs, um, and so this is, you know, one that stands out. Um, Probably just because I like his his voice a bit better. Um, yeah, I love the the bridge has a classic guitar or tom riff on it, which we talked about last time. And I yeah. and I thought about this with this album is um, there's not as or maybe Tom hadn't really come into his guitar style as much because there's quite a shift sure. from this to Enemon. You know, it's a lot more seems more rhythm based versus kind of based around riffs. Um, but I there are still well, ones on this album that that stand yeah. out. And and to to further that, um, that's what Tom was talking about specifically with the song "Damn It." Is like he all of a sudden realized what he what constituted a, like a, a, an excellent guitar riff for him and song structure. That's why, like "Damn It," you could almost like there are there are definitely parts on that record where it could fit on "Enema of the State." Yeah. Um, like especially like when you get down to the, like the core or the like the bridge breakdown sort of thing became very much a staple of Blink where they kind of like dial it back on the bridge and you kind of have like right. a palm muted guitar or whatever with a rib. Yeah, and so you're right. Like um, where uh, you know his riffs early on, it's interesting because he's a guitar player, and we'll discuss this maybe a little bit more when we get into the Untitled record. But um, he's a guitar player that definitely you can see like these specific very obvious changes in not just guitar style and sound but like literally his riffs you know he's almost got like he's got different eras of riffs right like because as we get into untitled those riffs that become tom riffs aren't nearly the same as what they were for the most part on on anima and take off your pants and even to an extent some of dude ranch right but but yeah that that guitar work is specifically what he kind of talked about when saying like oh like that's when we we learned how to write a song essentially right yeah yeah, but I mean, yeah, that adds adds a lot to. I mean, that's another reason why this song stood out is just even having something simple like that, um, you know, in the bridge or towards the end of the song is like, oh, okay, it kind of pulls the song together right. and makes you want to listen to it again. And well, and I think yeah, I think um, you talked about loving Mark songs, right? And I, I I think maybe that's what took 
Blink to the next level was Tom finding himself, right? Like, because when I think of probably some of my favorite songs on this record, although my favorite song on this record is a Tom song, I think a lot of the times I probably lean more towards some of those Mark songs. And maybe it's because his vocals are a little more raw at this time and his writing is a little more raw than it would become. Yeah. Um, but then when Tom kind of finds, figures out who he is going into Enema of the State and forward, I'm kind of like, okay, I think his songs start to stand out a little more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like because like some of the songs I think of immediately on this record are definitely Mark songs outside of, like I said, my favorite, which we're going to get into in a minute. But yeah. Um, Unless you had any anything more that you wanted to share about Waggy, yeah, no, not not really. I mean, it's it's not like it's a, a deep song or a deep cut or anything, but just a song that yeah. that stands out. And like I said, with Blink or I mean, with lots of bands, sometimes it's just the little things that that really make the song. It's not that the whole song has to be this like life changing thing, but yeah. know, when you're going through, it's like, okay, hey, this one really stands out for some reason. There's something grabbing my ear, and so that's what I'm going with. Yeah, and so. And, and I think like that's fair because we were kind of tossing around what the third song we were going to pick was going to be uh, because we decided to switch it up a little bit where we both kind of got to pick some songs from each record instead of one person picking all of one and the other picking all of the other. Um, so we'd each picked one and we're like, what's a good third one? And so you'd kind of thrown a few out there and then you're like, I just keep coming back to Waggy. Yeah. So, so Waggy it is, but we're going to move on to the next one, uh, which is Untitled. this one stand out to you so much okay so i've got a story behind this one as to why i kind of first really started liking the song but there's a few reasons i picked it one because we're also talking about the record untitled yeah um <laughs> which that we'll get into that a little bit but how you know some people refer to it as self-titled i think officially it's untitled which is fits the artisticness of what they were trying to do at that time right. but um this song in particular uh I, I love it because, so if you remember the story I told on our last Blink episode about I had the song that I carried around in my pocket for that girl, we were right, kind of, yeah. we, were, we, were, we were talking about the movie Can't Hardly Wait and how he's got this letter he wants to give to the girl. And so I had this song that like in high school, I was like, I gotta, I've written it about this girl, I'm going to give it to her and you know, everything's going to work out perfect. And, I, and then I said, then she went on to date my drummer after I finally got, <laughs> you know, kind of the nerve to talk to her. It was, it was a good little story. But... In all of that, um, I kind of started getting to know her. I was in a couple classes with her. We'd talk and whatever. We we're kind of becoming friends. And she mentioned that Untitled by Blink-182 was her favorite song, right? Like, 
I don't know if it, I can't remember specifically it was her favorite Blink song or just her favorite song in general. We were listening to it in her car, which was like a like a 1980s Toyota Tercel hatchback or something, some crappy car that we were driving around with terrible speakers. And she just loved this song. And so I was like, all right, I am going to learn this song and we're going to play it in my band because we had a show. It was our very first show. It was at our school because they started doing this series where uh, over lunch, like once a week or whatever, they would let local bands play a show over lunch, like in the theater or whatever on the stage. Yeah. And so so um, the girl who was kind of organizing this knew that I was in a band and she asked if we play. I was like, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so... I'm like, well, this is going to be perfect. She's going to be at the show. I'm going to learn how to play this song. I'm going to play it for her, right? So we learn it. And it's actually kind of a tricky song. I don't know if I could do it like to play and sing at the same time just because like the mm. palm muting, the dun 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 like it's just kind of like wrapping my brain around playing that rhythm and singing at the same time was always kind of tricky. Um, once it opens up, it just kind of goes and it's fine. But so we get up on stage, we're playing the set. I'm like, all right, this next song, I'm going to dedicate to her and I like kind of point at her, say her name or whatever. And meanwhile, this guy's sitting like two rows behind her. He's like, yeah, it's cause she's hot. <laughs> I'm like, thanks man. That was, that was cool. Well, so we played through the song. Favor or what? Well, I mean, like I said, she ended up dating my drummer at some oh, point yeah, in time. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I mean, whatever it oh, worked yeah, in my favor. Friend, so it worked go. in my favor because I eventually married my wife. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it was it was kind of funny, and that so that song is always just kind of stuck with me. It is also kind of like that. I like the intro and like the I guess how the song starts and then just kind of opens up to that just yeah, yeah. just guitar and kind of takes off. Apparently, also according to uh, the infallible Wikipedia, uh, this song is considered a tribute to the ska punk scene. Nice. I don't I don't know how or what, but <laughs> but I was like just kind of going through some of the notes on Dude Ranch on Wikipedia, and that was a note about untitled I'm like oh okay uh why all right then <laughs> every scene needs a shout out they gotta keep going I, somehow i suppose and i mean <laughs> i think like i think blink definitely had an appreciation for the ska scene like their their original logo of like the rabbit is skanking right right or at least yeah, it appears yeah. to be skanking so yeah. like um that definitely goes hand in hand with ska but um what are what are kind of your thoughts on untitled yeah, you mentioned the uh, the intro part. That's because it kind of starts out a bit mid tempo, and, and it's like, okay, like what's going on with this? And when it cuts out to the guitar, and then the snare roll comes in, it's like, oh, like I, just a cool, like I said before, just those little things that yeah. when it comes up, it's like, oh, cool, I'm excited. Like, okay, what's going to happen now in this song? Um, yeah, I love you know, like I said with Mark's vocals, I think his back backup vocals add a lot to this. Um, you know, even if it's just oohs and ahs when he does them, to me it just adds so much to the song. Um, and so I, there's some of that on here, but yeah, it's not nothing. Of, of course, you had to go and make it about Mark. It's a Tom <laughs> song, and he had to go make it about Mark. <laughs> hey, it's just uh, that's funny. But, but yeah, but, just those little nuances. I'm not trying to take yeah. away from Tom, but just when that comes in, and it's like those are the parts that. You know, well, they, they complement cool. each other well, so that's what I should say is hundred percent. When yeah, yeah. so when it's back and forth, because there's some other songs where where Tom is doing parts too, and it just yeah, they they really complement well, each other well. And I think like on that, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, like I think it's the end of the song. They totally go into like this doo wop sort of like ooh, and it's just like when they pull that out sometimes, like the harmonies and stuff, I'm like, yeah, it's, so good. it's pretty great. But, um, and I mean, going back to kind of, you're talking about the little things 
Like, they could have written this song to just basically be the same sort of dynamic and straightforward from once that guitar kicks in. They could have done that from the start, right? Like, it could have just been started fast, and I think of a while ago we might have had, right? Like, he could have just sang it that way. But, I mean, they they break it up differently, and it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it definitely makes it memorable. And I don't recall if there are actually any real riffs in this song. Like, I mean, you can call that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Da, 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 like that you could call that a riff but like as far as like that lead sort of i don't know if right. there are really any in the song but yeah uh, which goes back to yeah which goes back to your point kind of of how there's a lot more kind of just more like riv- rhythm driven stuff uh on this record and i mean yeah um the the, ne- the next song we're going to talk about off this record is actually one of the singles and also one of my favorites we're going to talk about josie <laughs> this song so why don't you give some some of your share some of your thoughts i feel like this might have even been the first song that i heard or remember from this record you know maybe it was damn what i heard first but this is the one i remember more for whatever reason um, so oh, my yeah, friend sure. had i've mentioned my friend jess he, he would you know tape uh, music videos and this is one of those videos that i remember and it's just such a classic video that's stuck in my head and um, you know, they're playing in the bathroom and, <laughs> yeah. you know, just kind of that typical, you know, trying to catch the attention of a girl and just kind of plays out through this this funny video or whatever. And, um, you know, I might even I might even like this song more than Damn It. Maybe it's just... Oh, I do. Yep. Um, you know, it's, yeah. ju- it's just faster pace. There's a bit, a bit more to it. Um, I love... So speaking of when Tom compliments Mark, I love when he comes in with that I know everything will be fine part. Yeah, um, to me that adds a lot. You know, I love when it kind of pulls back for that bridge and the bass is going. The guitar is just kind of playing that note. Um, there's there's a number of references in this song that I didn't really get until later. Like you know, he says, "Getting Mexican food from Sombrero." She's watching Vacation. 
There was yeah. a few lines in there. I always remember thinking, like, what is he talking about there? Like, <laughs> is he just, like, making up stuff? And then, you know, I mean, years later when there's more information online or or you just pick up on things, it's like, oh, okay, that's a movie yeah. or that's just a restaurant or something. Yeah. But, you know, back when this came out, you had no no way to get those references. So right. for, that just always stuck out to me. Just, like, I, I always was curious as what he was, what he was singing about on there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a few, uh, I think it was this one, there's a few nods to uh, the girl he was dating from Dance Hall Crashers. Yeah, and so that was something I was going to mention um, because we one of the songs that you were tossing around, actually we'll get to it in a minute because we are gonna, I'm going to talk about it briefly, but um, but yeah, Josie, uh, so yeah, the nod to, because um, is, is it this, oh yeah, well in this song, yeah, what did you say, my girlfriend, she likes UL and DHC, right? So Unwritten Law and Dance Hall right, Crashes. Right, yeah, yeah. And forever, until, and that was not until more recent, I was like, what the heck is UL and DHC? Like, when you hear it in a song, again, not like, no, like not really looking close enough and putting it together, I'm like, it just sounds like mumbo jumbo that yeah. he's saying, but, <laughs> but I'm like, oh yeah, Unwritten Law and Dance Hall Crashers. Okay, yeah. I get it now. Um, but... I was going to say, oh, you, you're talking about the Mexican food from Sombreros. I, like many countless, I'm sure, people who are Blink-182 fans, went to San Diego and went to Sombreros specifically based off of this song. Oh, really? Yeah. And my, my official review is, eh. <laughs> like, there's much better Mexican food out there. Well, I'm um, sure they just went there because it was cheaper. It was oh, probably yeah, yeah. or whatever, but yeah. For sure. <laughs> and I, I know for a fact we didn't go to, like, the one I think that he's specifically referencing people have figured out which one he's specifically referencing oh, okay. just based on kind of like where Area they lived and jammed and stuff at that time um but i did go to sombrero and we ended up just like it was it was fine i had like a california burrito or whatever which has french fries in it and uh we were just like yeah this is fine we we're trying all their different hot sauces because they have a hot sauce like bar oh, nice. sort of thing and none of them were very hot so me and my friend grant who i was talking about earlier with his mom and gob and whatever uh, he's who I went down to visit in San Diego, and uh, so we just started drinking like our little cups of hot <laughs> sauce because we're like, well, Gross. it's not doing anything else. And then we realized we're like, oh, it actually gets a little spicy when you don't have anything, you know, getting in the way. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah this song uh, talking about the video, I think they successfully created their own like teen romantic comedy yeah, sort of yeah. video, like movie within the video. It's got every one of the like kind of the classic tropes that you'd see in those films. And I yeah. believe, I think it's Alyssa Milano is in the video. Um, I, I want to say who that, who like plays the girl. She was in, uh, well, like who's the boss back in the day. Mm. Um, anyway, she was, she was a teen heartthrob at one point in time. And I'm pretty sure that's who's in this video. If I recall, okay. but, um, they should have had Jonathan Taylor Thomas play that girl. <laughs> <laughs> He had long flowing hair, didn't he? It's true. He did. He could get out of like the car and just run his hand through his hair. Um, yeah, and and playing in the bathroom, I always thought was hilarious. And this video always made me want to buy like just like plain white t-shirts. Oh yeah, because <laughs> they're just wearing plain white tees, yeah, and which the ball I think chain is necklace. And yeah, I'm just gonna say officially that you put Mart right down here. That's where the band Plain White Tees got their name from. It was just from watching the video watching for Josie. <laughs> yeah, Could have been. Yeah, but no, it is all. It is one of my all-time favorite Blink songs, easily. Like, I will go back to it time and time again. Yeah, and yeah, I'm in. 
I'm in agreement in the fact that I think it's it, it is better than Damn It, right? Like those, I think, are the two big singles because they did have a couple other singles off this record. But those are easily the two big singles. Yeah. With Damn It obviously being like the iconic song, but which again they they managed to create another like teen romantic comedy movie in a music video. So good on them. Um, but yeah. Uh, but let's get into, I did want to talk about, because they did have uh, a total of four singles off this record, one of which was Josie, um, and then uh, we'll talk about some of these other. The first one that actually came out was Apple Shampoo, which is uh, a song that you were, was one of the ones, I think you were tossing yeah. back and forth, and I said, oh, I kind of like the story behind this song. And so the connection with Josie is that Apple Shampoo is actually about the lead singer of Dancehall Crashers. Yeah. And so... And it's called that because that's the shampoo, I guess, she used or whatever. And and Mark was in love with her. And I always loved the line about, uh, was it both getting tired of punk rock clubs, both playing in punk rock bands? I was like, it's just kind of this like sort of unique irony, I guess you could say, that they're experiencing together. Yeah, I, I do think that was a, a bit of an odd choice for a single. I don't remember seeing I don't know if there's a video about, for but, it. Yeah, but just, you know, it's later on the album. It, yeah. you know, maybe doesn't have the same hooks as the other songs, but... Yeah, I watched some pretty sweet live videos, so I think... I'm trying to think if this one was, like, from 99. No, I think this one was from... When I watched Apple, Apple Shampoo, it was, like, 97 or something like that. But oh, I was like, okay. it was kind of fun to watch. But, yeah, I guess it was the it was the first single off the record. And, um, I mean, the second single, I believe, was Damn It, and it obviously was much more successful, which uh, we can talk about. Like I said, the, the video for Damn It. Like, what do you say about this song, right? Like, the video for Damn It... It's great. It's iconic. Um, it's an iconic song. It's it's like, I mean, it's not my favorite Blink song. Only I think a lot of that is based on the fact that I've just heard it so much. But at the same point, unlike say all the small things, like when all if all the small things comes on the radio, and I happen to be listening to the radio, I'm in. I'm hooked. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this. I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm still a yeah. fan of the song. But all the small things I may skip when listening to Enema of the State if I'm just like, ah, I don't feel like listening to it, right? Yeah. But like, damn it, I, I, I don't skip it. I'm, yeah. It's not a song that I've tired of over the years by any means um, because it is it is such, like I said, like that's the song that I think first put them really on the map and, you know, for what was to come. Um, you you got to have a story or some thoughts about damn it, though. Yeah, I was going to say another reason why uh, Mike gets sick of it is because every terrible band probably tried covering it so you heard so many bad versions of it you're like you know what i just can't do this anymore it's tainted the original for me (laughs) i i still will pull it out like it's it's one of those songs that i'm just like oh yeah i'll never forget how to play it and it's also a song that i learned how to play on piano like just for fun just okay this is what i do on the guitar so what do i do on the piano i think somewhere on my instagram i have a video of me playing it on like this little 80s like Casio Yamaha or maybe Yamaha like nice. keyboard with just like terrible sounds. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty great. But um, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's 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 an easy song. And I guess the riff was written around like, um, I thought I read he, that it was like Mark. broke some strings and so he could yeah. only play on certain strings. Yeah. And I thought I read, when I read that, I thought it said it was Mark that wrote that. But that yeah. would seem, I, I mean, it's possible. He's definitely too. written some guitar riffs. But yeah, so maybe there it is. Um, when you were also yeah. mentioning his voice was sounding a bit raw in this, and I think yeah. I also saw that he, the song was accidentally written in a, like one step up too it's high too for high. his voice, and so he's <laughs> he's straining it. I did notice a few times on this album, uh, we, we've mentioned his vocals a few times, that there were some parts or 
it just for whatever reason just kind of stood out as like oh that's this sounded like not off but just enough I guess rawness that it was like oh yeah. I wonder if you know and then you look into it and it's like oh you know they were having some issues vocally and whatever and yeah. so I mean you wouldn't pick up you know most people wouldn't pick up on that but he definitely sounds more gruff on this record than any other one right like um but it, it's one of the things i think i like about it yeah like, yeah yep. like he definitely sounds on damn it like he's you know doing a little more yelling shouting sort of thing versus yeah. straight up singing and uh, which is interesting well i guess because i look at like the core i feel like anytime i watch tom play guitar a lot of the times he's playing in the key of c um so maybe those are mostly his songs though because like all the small things for instance is in the key of c it's exact same chords and I feel like anytime I really pay attention to him in kind of those eras, he's playing in C. So I wonder how often, you know, like the songs are written actually a little too high for Mark. But yeah. anyway, yeah. these days, I mean, singing is, is yeah, he does his best these days. We'll say that. <laughs> he's <laughs> just life. writing them all in C now anyways. So. Yeah. Well, when you go back and it's crazy because when you go back and watch like older live videos, um, it's it's amazing how much different those two guys sound obviously then compared to now right like yeah um and and tom got harped on so much for his latter days in in uh what's it called in blink 182 before kind of officially being like okay i'm done and it's just funny because mark's not really that much better i guess maybe he just shows more energy on stage right than tom was in those where it just looked like he was just kind of standing at the mic doing his thing but um yeah no uh, the final the final song we'll talk about off of Dude Ranch is uh, the final single, and I didn't realize this was a single, but the song Dick Lips. And uh, this song, I think, always kind of like um, stood out to me. Again, in, maybe in a similar way to Untitled in the fact that like it's got like this kind of more clean, toned-down guitar intro. I think it might even be acoustic on this one. If I, it's, if, if not, it's definitely a clean guitar and like, and doing like the snare roll. It's like, please, mom, you ground me all the time. I know that I was right oh, yeah, all yeah. along. It's a song about Tom getting kicked out of high school because he showed up to a basketball game drunk. <laughs> At least that's, that's his story mm. according to it. But, um, it's always been like one of those songs where I'm like, oh yeah. It, if you're ever mad at your parents, <laughs> like it was like the perfect song in high school. It's like, ah, guys, just. You made mistakes too. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. But um, hey, so did you ever really listen to I, I can't remember if I asked you this on the last podcast or not, but did you ever really listen to the Mark Tom and Travis show? No, like I had uh, like my friend Derek had it and um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember like ever sitting down and listening to it. I'm sure it was on when we were skateboarding or or whatever, yeah. but yeah, not a lot of like personal memories attached. I to used, that. yeah, I used to listen to it quite a bit when it came out, and so like more recently, it was finally added on Apple Music and I think Spotify as well. Um, but it's like I'm not a huge fan of live records, and I know I've mentioned that talking about like how much I actually ended up liking the face to face live and a dive, and you know like MXPX at the show stuff like that. But this live record, I would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like work done afterwards sort of thing yeah right? like but if you want to hear all of these songs on speed listen to the mark tom and travis yeah. show they play them so fast i'm like holy smokes like it's unbelievable and actually it's a really good mix of that you know like the transition because it came out obviously after enema of the state it was between enema of the state and take off your pants and jacket 
and uh, it's a lot of Dude Ranch and a lot of Enema of the State songs with all of that, you know, back and forth between Mark and Tom and, you know, some some stuff that these days probably didn't age too well. Um, but, hey, I mean, whatever. It, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, a snapshot in yeah, time. But um, but I would say go listen to it if you haven't listened to it in a while. It's worth it. And it, it's, 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 it's good. I like it. But we're going to move on um, to a record that uh, came out a few years after that, I think... When did I? I don't know if I wrote down when this one came 2003? out. Two thousand three. No. Oh, sorry. I meant Dude Ranch. Dude oh. Ranch was ninety seven, I think. So yeah. yeah, I think. And Untitled that we're going to talk about. Right, Two thousand three. Yeah. So let's talk about Blink One Eighty Two's Untitled. This record, here's some interesting bits about this one, I guess. This record actually peaked at number one in Canada. Wow. So we liked it here in Canada. Which means like peaked a dozen <laughs> people went and liked it. Just kidding. <laughs> peaked, at, <laughs> peaked at number three in the U.S. and number seven in Australia. So they actually they flipped it. Originally, they were huge in Australia. And then finally, North America caught up. And eventually, I guess, Canada really liked them. And there's a, uh, what I think is kind of intriguing about this um, is that the fact that it peaked so high here, like it hit number one, is because this is the only Blink record that I think of, and I think of it as a winter album. Mm. Like I don't know, I don't know if you have records like that where you're like, oh, this song it's you know summer, or this song I listen to in the fall or the winter or what have you. But this record, a, it came out in November. It was November 18th of 2003, I think is what I read. It stuck in my brain because I was two days before my 19th birthday. Mm. Um, <laughs> So I probably got it for my yeah yeah I probably got it for my birthday, but when I think of this record, I think specifically of driving with my roommates to go play late night hockey. <laughs> so you know it's dark, it's cold, probably snowing, and we're out late, and this is what we're listening to, and it's like what we listen to mm. nonstop. I bought this CD before. I've mentioned this before, but like the Great CD Purge. Um, I had this one. This was one of the ones that survived the great CD purge when we sold a bunch of CDs to buy a pool table. Um, this one survived, and which is funny because I don't know that my other Blink records did. I, I'm curious. No, maybe Dude Ranch did. I know I have Dude Ranch on CD these days. I'm just trying to think if I thrift it, like if I found it at a thrift store, right. if I still had it. But, yeah. but I lost a lot of good pop punk CDs uh, when we did that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously a darker record than anything that came before it for mm-hmm. them. And uh, it still has, for me, some of those like classic Blink-182 things, like of the you know the earlier years of Blink-182. There's a few songs or a few parts, but it, it obviously you know feels very influenced by 
let's even say, you know, like what Tom was doing, Tom and Travis were doing in Boxcar Racer, right? Yeah. Like where there was this different approach to writing riffs and songs and that came through. And I don't know, I still, this, this song, this album was very, you know, kind of, it kind of, I, I wouldn't say it split fans right down the middle by any means. I'm pretty sure it's their highest selling record. I could be wrong, but wow. I know it did really It'd well. Surprising. <laughs> I I I should have looked, but I would I wouldn't be surprised. I know like when a lot of people talk about Blink One Eighty Two, and like that's the thing we're talking about a band that you know has been around since the early '90s and is still going now. Like yeah. they they for sure have different decades and eras, right? Yeah. And I mean it was just such a big shift from everything that came before it. But um, why don't you share your thoughts on Untitled? I was gonna say what I thought was cool is when they were writing or recording this, you know they were discussing the change in sound or whatever and Travis had mentioned don't think of this as the newest Blink-182 album think of this as the first Blink-182 album like what would this sound like if we were just going at this as if this was our first record and we didn't have to worry about you know any kind of follow up from the last ones right and uh, so yeah I thought, I thought that was a unique way to look at it you know, obviously they were aware that their sound was changing. And, um, yeah, all I really remember about this album is not liking it when it came out. You know, as much as many Blink fans felt the same, I'm sure. Um, I don't even really remember when I actually really listened through it after it came out. Um, but as I listened through it this week, I found myself liking it more than I expected to. To me, it basically sounds like kind of half boxcar racer type songs. And the other half right. were songs that I just didn't really love the direction that they went in. Um, you know... <laughs> I like the Boxcar Racer sounding songs the best, probably because I love the Boxcar Racer album. So maybe I was just kind of throw off, thrown off by that sound coming from Blink. So I'm sure I listened to the Boxcar Racer album and then went to this one. So I was kind of yep. like, well, if they already did that on Boxcar, you know, why are they doing this on this album or, you know, however that influence worked out. But right. um, yeah, as I went back, like those are definitely my favorite songs on the album and so it's, it's kind of hard for me to relay it as Blink, like when I hear it, you know, because, you know, a lot of those songs have Tom's vocals and Travis's drums, same as Boxcar. So it's yeah. kind of hard to differentiate it. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a really cool album, and I'll be going back to it to re-listen sooner than later. You know, while I don't love necessarily the overall direction this album brought, I think it did a lot to build up their fan base and help them gain new forms of creativity and longevity for their band. So I, I think it was a good move for them to do, even though there was a lot of people like myself that probably weren't into it as much and you know maybe haven't gone to listen to it. But yeah, there's definitely yeah. some some really cool parts on here. I, I don't like I'll just say I, I don't appreciate, you know, maybe the different guitar tones or some of the different sounds they were going for. But I think overall it makes the album kind of more cohesive. Yeah. Just to follow up in what I said about uh, record sales. Um, so Enema of the State is their highest selling worldwide. It sold 15 million. Yeah. Um, take off your pants and jacket worldwide sold 14 million. And then, uh, untitled sold 7 million worldwide. Here's what I find kind of interesting though, is that in the States, take off your pants and jacket sold 2 million, but in the States, untitled sold 2.2 million. So mm. it sold more in the States than their life. But anyway, not that any of that really matters. I was just curious because I know there's a lot of people who, refer to like this album as being I mean maybe I think it's pretty influential in the sense that it showed like a pop punk band 
hanging on to some of those roots, but also not being afraid to try something new. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you see a band try something new and mature, and what do they do? They just get more, like, radio rock sort of thing. Right. right? Like, um, we're, so in that sense, I think this record's, you know, was really successful in what it was trying to attempt. Um, you know, did it did it inspire DeLong, like Tom DeLong to go and start Angels and Airwaves and write, you know, kind of like uh, kind of mold that guitar sound he was working on a little more? Sure. Did Angels and Airwaves ever, you know, match this? That I don't know. Like, um, you know, I, I do like Angels and Airwaves and I know a lot of people complained, especially then when Angels and Airwaves became a thing and then Neighborhoods was a thing and they were like, what? It just all sounds the same. Right. Uh, but there are even elements on Neighborhoods where I'm like, yeah, but it sounds like Angels and Airwaves with Mark singing there too. Like it's kind yeah. of a, it's a win-win in that sense. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, this album has always kind of stuck around for me. So with that, let's, uh, let's maybe get into the songs that we picked, uh, starting with the song Violence. This is kind of funny. I was I was listening to this earlier today, and I was like, "What does this song remind me of?" Because it's one of those examples of like where they're doing something different, right? Especially the yeah. verses. And this is what I love about this song: is the verses kind of remind me of. I don't know how to describe this, but you know, when you're thinking of like a, a like a, a musical, like a Broadway play or whatever, and there's like the gang. And they're like singing and they're like snapping and like walking toward yeah. like that's what the verses remind <laughs> me of on this like just like whatever yeah. I can't remember the words right now but but like they're like kind of creeping up on you and I actually found a, a weird I don't know if it was an official music video for this or not because it was like a, a, a is very poor quality but um, it's a video for this song and it appears to be shot in like the same room that they shot uh, like the band performance for the video for the song Down, which we'll talk about Mm. in a little bit. But um, yeah, so I thought that was weird. But I love like the difference between the verse and the chorus and especially the fact that when the chorus kicks in with like that snare hit, boom, and violence, like it just like takes off. And then the fact that they like bring it back down again. It's like this kind of back and forth dynamic. It's really, it's really kind of cool. Um, And yeah, like the verses, I don't even know how to describe them. I guess they're kind of spoken with like Mark just kind of like being a creep in the background with his voice. Like when you like listen on headphones, especially you can hear that he's underneath there just kind of like almost talking. Um, yeah. It's like a spoken harmony, weird sort of thing. But uh, I, I think it's pretty great. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's it's since first hearing that record, it was one of the songs that really stood out to me. Um, but what were what were your thoughts on the song Violence? 
Yeah, this is one of the ones that I'm sure when I first listened to this album, I was just like, oh, okay, this is losing me. Those verses, <laughs> even even as I listened this week, I was like, okay, I you know, I have a better understanding of what they're trying to accomplish here, but I just, I don't know. I didn't love it, but I, I do like when the chorus, like, that saves the song for me. Um, it, you know, it's got some hints of Boxcar Racer, kind of when it, when it the the riff of the opening riff of the song. Oh yeah, it's just like this bending of a string sort of deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, it's it's a great song. It's definitely not one of my favorites, but I can understand what they're trying to do with it. Yeah, no, I I and I think it's really for me like the chorus really drives it home for sure. And but yeah, yeah, for me, just like the the kind of switch between the chorus and the verse. Uh, the next song we're going to talk about, though, uh, I believe, yeah, was your pick. Um, I hope, I, I think I was Asthenia. That's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> asthenia. I'm not even, it could be asthenia, asthenia. I don't know. Anyway, it's, I, I believe it's a medical term of sorts, but uh, why don't you kind of share your thoughts on this song and why you picked it? Yeah. Well, let me give you um, what the song is about and what that does mean. So asthenia <laughs> is an eerie song about isolation and contemplating loneliness. Tom DeLong explained the song's meaning in the liner notes. This song is about one thing only an astronaut sitting in a space capsule about the size of a car floating above the earth he's contem- contemplating if even coming back or not will make a difference on such a negative place a song about the loss of hope a term was coined for the breakdown of life in space and it's called asthenia the name of the track at the beginning of the song are actual nasa transmissions yeah which uh put it more into context because when i was listening to it i was like i don't like this intro like what is what's going on <laughs> here it's kind of dragging on like just some kind of like white noise chatter or whatever. Um, but then when I read what the song was about and that that sound is from NASA, I was like, okay, well, that fits the song then, and I, I don't dislike yeah. it as much. So, so I'm I'm yeah. just kind of interested, though, that, like, so the, what did you say the meaning of asthenia was? Um, or, like, what he says, anyway. Yeah, it's a term coined for the breakdown of life and space. I don't okay, really know yeah, what like that, that means, but... Well, the actual definition, I mean, I, I guess you could you could work. It says abnormal physical weakness or lack of energy. That's why I was like, I'm not sure how this mm. actually ties in. But, but I mean, he, he's saying, I think, that like in the space community, which is interesting now that obviously where he's, yeah, what he's doing, like 
you know, all this kind of stuff, um, to just kind of see other little things that are like, everyone always points to aliens exist in his, you know, his love of space talk, but this song is specifically about an astronaut. I kind of summed this up. I said this song is basically the movie Gravity in song form. Did you ever mm. see Gravity? Um, I might have. I don't like That's space what? movies. They're too stressful. Oh, so Gravity was with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah, I did see that one. Oh man, I I loved it. Like how she gets like she's because I I think my thing is I have a fascination with movies that are kind of about like isolation in the sense that so Gravity obviously she's stuck in space she's alone that's all she's got she's got to figure out how she's getting home what have you yeah, right yeah. Um, other other kind of movies and and types of movies that like that's why I love zombie movies for instance is the idea that you are potentially the very last person alive right like yeah it's like you know it's just intriguing to me as to you know what that would look like or even like castaway with tom hanks right. and being like this only man on this island right See, that like, one i can handle being on an island but <laughs> being in space or with zombies no thanks which is funny because castaway is probably the most like the most realistic thing f- to happen to you right right like <laughs> if you're flying somewhere over an ocean and your plane crashes like you're not an astronaut so you're not going to get stuck in space uh, whether or not the zombie apocalypse is a real thing, who knows? But you could very well get in a plane crash. I mean, not these days. Sure. You're not flying over any oceans these days because, you know, travel restrictions and all. Well, I just finished but, um, watching Lost, too, so. Oh, man, I was just thinking about <laughs> that show the other day. I was like, oh, I kind of want to get, like, was this your first time through it? Oh, no, I've watched it lots of times. I actually only rewatched the last two seasons. I couldn't commit okay. to all six. Yeah. And even watching the last two was like, man, this is like... A commitment to get it's through. Work. There's lots of stuff I forgot about, and yeah, yeah so good. That's though. awesome, because like it's funny where shows have come these days. Because like, if I see a television show that I'm like, oh, I want to sit down and watch that, and I look at it and it says season one, 25 episodes. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> nowadays seasons are like. 10 to 13 episodes right. you know sort of thing they're so much shorter now with you know a lot of shows and uh i'm just like wow that's crazy because i even look back on shows like the oc which i absolutely love but to go back and watch that show yeah I'm like it's, it's too much. 25 plus episodes a season like that's a lot of work you could be getting through two plus seasons of another show and you're just getting through one yeah like, oh. so it's it's a lot of hard work but yeah um but, anyways, but yeah i was yeah. Going back to this one, like the the music really reminds me actually of Angels and Airwaves on this one, just the guitar tone that he has on it. Right. Um, but yeah, I really like Tom's vocal lines and the delivery of it. Love the musical interlude, kind of the pre-chorus part that goes in. Um, yeah, so there, there are parts on this album that aren't classic Blink that I do like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's taken me a bit longer to, to get to that point, but yeah, yeah there was well, a rhythm on this album. Yeah, well, in this album actually marks a change too for uh tom in the sense that early on you know he's playing he's kind of most known for playing a strat like fender stratocaster i mean i know early on like in the josie video he's playing a les paul and i think there's sometimes he did play kind of yeah he kind of went back and forth but uh i mean through enema of the state and take off your pants and jack he's definitely known for playing a fender strat yeah where he's on these records he switched to a semi-hollow yeah you know double cutaway sort of thing and uh yeah so it kind of definitely changes guitar sound a little bit um but let's get into i guess the final song that we're going to talk about which is actually i well we're going to talk about singles in a bit but um 
I'm kind of talking about two songs here because they blend in perfectly. They just go straight into each other. We're going to talk yeah. about Easy Target and all of this. songs much in the way um i mean there's a few songs on this record but say much in the way that like violence stood out to me these songs kind of stood out to me for obviously being so very different from blink 182 easy target not as much but definitely still different like it's i mean all of this is nowhere close to blink but just the way that you know the guitar it's, it's two songs that are the same song, and I read somewhere that, you know, they, they'd written this guitar riff, and they couldn't decide whether or not they wanted to use it in a fast song or a slow song, so instead, they used oh, it in two songs. Cool. Yeah, and they, like, blend them together, and so I guess Holly, who obviously gets mentioned in both of these songs, um, specifically in the first one, Holly isn't the girl's name. Like, they've given this girl the name. I don't know if Holly is the actual girl in the second song, because they're mm. two different girls, but the first story actually came from uh, Jerry Finn who produced the record uh, where he was talking about a story basically where you know he was he liked this girl I think he said he was in high school he liked this girl he worked up the nerve to talk to her to ask her out she said yeah they were going back to her place like he was supposed to meet her at her place and when he shows up she's there with her friends and they're all waiting with water bombs like water balloons and so it was just a big setup right and so like that's in the chorus it's Holly's looking dry looking for an easy target yeah well because she's got these (laughs) you know so it's this yeah, this big setup, and then um, not what all I of thought that was about. No, I never knew what the song was about. I was like, until I looked at, it, I was like, oh, all right, interesting. And then all of this uh, being about a girl who um, went out with Tom DeLong just to get to his brother, hmm. uh, <laughs> so she wanted to get with his brother, and so that I, I didn't catch if her name was actually Holly or if they just gave Holly to be the name for you know in both of these songs because obviously she gets mentioned in both songs. Yeah. But, um, which then also, you know, made the course make a little more sense when I read that where he says, use me, Holly, come right. on and use me or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're youth. But, uh, yeah, these songs I love in, uh, in easy target, just like the straightforward, you know, kind of drums that Travis yeah, is doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's so, I don't know. It's again, it sets itself apart. And the fact that they tie these two songs together, obviously Robert Smith from the cure singing on the second one, which I believe, um, they just kind of like asked. We're like, hey, we love your music. Any chance you'd want to be in on this? And then just sent him the song. And he's like, all right. And just did it. Like, yeah, that's cool. Again, yeah, just adding a whole different element to the song. Um, and his voice is so iconic. But yeah. And also, you know, even I, I'm just kind of reading some notes here, but I don't know if this is an intentional reference. I want to say it is. But they reference social distortion in this song. At least every time I hear it, 
I'm like, yeah, that's 100% a social distortion reference because oh, uh, the line, Southern California's breeding Mommy's Little Monster. Well, Mommy's uh, Little Monster is a social distortion. I can't remember if it's just a song or an album title as well, mm. like from early on. But uh, I've always taken it as a, you know, 100%. There's no way they're unaware that that's a social distortion yeah, yeah. thing, yeah, right? Sure. But, um, but yeah, why don't... Uh, oh, you know what we didn't mention? How could I do this? Uh, in Asthenia, I somehow skipped this. Uh, it's the only Blink song featuring a section in 3-4 time. Oh. So, like, the, the instrumental bridge on Asthenia is in 3-4 time. So I was like, oh! <laughs> I'll <laughs> How we, go back and listen I, to that. I don't, I don't yeah, remember that standing out. Well, yeah, and, and neither did I. And then I read that, and I went and listened to it. I was like, oh, sure enough, it's in a different time <laughs> signature. Um, so that's, that's kind of cool, but... Um, and then I also, oh yeah, I was just going to, the mention of the guitar riff at the end of Easy Target into all of this and how it just kind of slows down and blends in and it's just done so well. So why don't you share your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a lot on these ones, like, because um, they did a video, they do a video for the, for all of this or no? I didn't Maybe see one. I'm thinking of Miss You, okay. Um, yeah, or, they definitely um, did a video for Miss You. Yeah, whichever. Like, is that the one like playing the cello or something or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah the stand-up bass. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. The songs stand out for for different reasons. Um, again, not not any kind of classic Blink-sounding songs, but um, yeah, I like what they're trying to do on here. I, I love the transition between. That's a really cool idea. Where it's like, let's do let's do both. Let's put it together. And uh, yeah, if you were listening, you might not even know. It's like, is this still the same song or did it switch tracks yeah. and? Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a, that's cool and to have that insight about the story about Holly because I was like, yeah, what is? I, I do actually I like that line when when Tom sings that "Use Me, Holly." For some reason yeah. that stands out to me. I just I like when he uh, or how he how he sings that part. Um, yeah, yeah. Overall, cool concept and kind of lots to to take take away from or to kind of hold on to in a song. Yeah, I. Uh... Oh, I was trying to find something. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't a song that I immediately was like, I really love this. Um, but yeah, lots of cool things going on. And I mean, it's not, yeah, I, I don't hate it by any means. And it, it may You not, hate it? It might not. No, I said I don't hate it. <laughs> you hate it? <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't necessarily be the first one I, I go to. But again, I, I think it adds a lot to the concept of the album and, you know, especially kind of towards the end of the album. There's a lot of songs on this one. Like, I know there's a few, like, interludes or whatever on here, but I think there was 16 yeah, tracks yeah. on here. Yeah. No, I, sorry. I had a note on something that I wanted. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss it. So I'm, like, reading my notes. Yeah, there are a lot of songs on this, though. And as you mentioned, um, there are there are some interludes. And it's interesting because now on, like, streaming services, because, for instance, uh, the... Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Stockholm Syndrome yeah. interlude, where she's like, I think is that the one where she's reading the letter? Yeah, it's I like kind of Mar- skip some of those because I didn't really know. Yeah, what's going well, it's on, like and some go for it, but it's long. like yeah, so it's like a letter written by Mark's grandfather to his grandmother, like Mark's grandmother when oh, he's okay. away at war or something like that. But anyway, uh, it's it's kind of interesting because on the CD. It was one of those things where if you looked at it, it would say it was playing track five, I think, but it would be like counting down. 
because it's an intro, right? But then if you ripped it to your computer, it would actually just be on the end of track four, uh, which is, which is violence. Right. So it's this, this kind of like weird sort of thing, but whereas in digital streaming now they've separated them. It's its own thing now. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's maybe get into, I wish I could figure out where that, (laughs) there was, I had a note about a lazy guitar riff. And I was like, "What? I can't re- figure out yeah. what song it was on." Um, because my my comment on it, this, I mean, when we were talking about the guitar riffs anyway earlier, and how like Tom kind of like transitioned into this, like a lazy guitar riff, and that I get in the sense is like he did a lot of where I feel like his guitar riff would be slightly behind the beat, like he would kind of slide into yeah, it yeah. as opposed to just being right on, you know, and playing. And, uh, there was, there, I had a note somewhere and I don't know which song it was for now. Cause I looked through them all, but maybe it's for one that's upcoming. Oh yeah, it is. It's the next song we're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah which is <laughs> the, the leads. I finally found it. The lead single off this record, uh, which is obviously feeling this, which a lot of times I believe they open their sets with this. And just recently, uh, I want to bring this up. Like when I say recently, as of recording, I believe I read this yesterday. Uh, Mark Hoppus has said this is he did like a um, like a Blink One Eighty Two bracket sort of thing where someone had put out all like a bunch of Blink songs, and then he like you know like all the you, I'm sure you've seen them all yeah, these yeah. days where it's like a March Madness sort of thing. And so it was all these Blink songs. I think it was Smart Punk maybe that put it out, and so he filled it out. And feeling this was the song that won, and uh, wow. this is. Yeah, so this was his comment on Twitter about the song. He says, it's the apex of Blink-182, the best of all of us. It was different and new and, in my opinion, groundbreaking, is what he had to say about feeling this. Having said that, he's also gone on record and said that Stockholm Syndrome is his favorite song as well. (laughs) So, I mean... Interesting. Maybe, I don't know if Stockholm Syndrome was on that bracket, and maybe that's how it didn't win. Um, I'm not sure, but... uh, uh, this is, I'm sure you know, you, if you read the liner notes, you know this story too, that Mark and Tom wrote, Tom wrote the verses and Mark wrote the chorus and they wrote them separately without knowing. And then they came together and they realized they both were writing about sex, <laughs> which was very fitting for Blink-182. Uh, and this is where I said, I love the lazy guitar riff, uh, guitar riff, not like lazy as in like, oh, that's lazy writing, but just how it kind of falls behind on right. things. Right. And it's kind of like slides into things and it just reminds me of something like, yeah, I'm here. Just sort of, you know, (laughs) sauntering in. Um, And uh, I also remember reading something about, oh, the recording process for those drums. Because at the beginning of the song, the drums have this, like, kind of flange sound going on. Yeah, well, I had actually heard that it wasn't, like, it's not just, like, you know, an effect put in in Pro Tools. But they actually, like, had a mic that was hanging. And who knows? I think this was in the liner notes. And they literally just like swung it so it like circled around the room oh, as Travis cool. played those drums. And uh, that's, I don't know if that's true. I'm, part of me is like, how would that actually really work? And like to get, but I mean, it's a pretty, there's some pretty sick stuff with the drums on this record in different songs. Like I'm trying to think which song it was, maybe it was Down, uh, where they like literally they took the drum tracks and then they played them in a shower like not played the drums but like played the drum tracks in a right. shower and recorded the shower to get the reverb huh. and then like on um, I'm Lost Without You the end of the song there's two drums like two drum sets that are playing right yeah. it's just this huge sound so they do a lot of really cool it's really the first record for me where yeah Travis came on with Enemy of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and sounded like okay he's doing something different this guy's a sick drummer but this record was the first where I really felt like Travis was a part of writing, yeah. like in composing songs, right? And so I think that really, really stands out. But um, 
Did you have any thoughts on feeling this real quick? Uh, well, are you feeling it? Do you feel it as a song? This was this was another one that I didn't didn't latch on to um, immediately. It's it's still not one of my favorite songs, and it really bugs me that it's their opening song. I do not like it as an opening track when they <laughs> like when they play live. Just every yeah. time it comes in, I'm just like, okay, here comes those like bad vocals of I'm feeling this, and just that <laughs> guitar part like. I don't know. It's it kind of it, it catches on later in the song, especially in the chorus, like when Mark when Mark comes in there, and then later in the song, it like kind of double times for the chorus. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just I don't know the the kind of vibe of the song or the however. Yeah, like you said, that kind of that guitar riff of the going back and forth. Yeah. I don't know. I so I it think, just kind of bugs me every time. Yeah, I listen no, to it's. It. It's interesting because I think it uh, it was very intentional in its placement on the record because I feel like it's a good song that kind of like represents, you know, like you could hear that and go, okay, Blink-182 is doing something different. But then if they followed it up with just like a song that could have been off of any of those prior records, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Like it's still kind of like, it yeah. wasn't so far away. Like it was right. definitely different, but it kind of like set the table a little bit to be like, Oh hey, like we're still Blink One Eighty Two, but we're doing things a little bit different. I think it it served that purpose well. Um, I can I can see the like the feel in this thing. It, like it is my least favorite part of the song. Got a regret right now. I'm feeling this right, like just yeah. like that whole. Uh, I don't mind like Tom's part in that, but yeah, just Mark in the back. I'm feeling this. It feels a little feels a little weird, but um, I can I can see why it kind of opens the record because it it bridges those. I think right kind of fairly well yeah um, that makes sense i just you know when i think of you know dump weed and anthem part two I'm like man like those are yeah. both just as soon as you hear it you're just like oh okay awesome i'm excited for this but when yeah. feeling this comes in it's kind of like uh i'm not really feeling this <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah so, it, it makes sense in the context of the record and the points you made. yeah uh the next single that they were that they released um is maybe one of their most well known now uh but that being i miss you um this song, it gets close a lot of times for me to skip, I think. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's because it is a little more, you know, like down tempo of a song, obviously, right? Like when I, when I, when I talk about skipping potentially like all the small things, it's a slower song compared to some of their other singles, right? Same with Adam's song, obviously, yeah. right? But um, this one, I don't know if this song in video or whatever, you know, inspired the whole like goth emo aesthetic or not. It definitely didn't help get rid of it if it wasn't the inspiration, right. you know, like all the, <laughs> yeah. the black eyeliner and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, the song's fine. It's, it's, it's like, it's funny because it's, it's definitely a unique song and they did something very different with it. Definitely. And obviously it's become, I think this was the song that finished in second place in, uh, Mark when he filled out the bracket, uh, although he's just shortened the name of the song to Yed, because of course it's it's a meme in itself with Tom singing you know, the voice inside my Yed right like that oh, just became that's funny that, that became a thing when I was listening to this on my bike ride as soon as he said that I was like he's not even like pronouncing the H on no. there <laughs> the voice inside my Yed yeah that's <laughs> I mean it's, it's that must have been intentional because the what did the producer oh, like, uh, pronounce the word. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, man, this is the cool way to do it. <laughs> I mean, there may be, there could be, I've watched some like vocal teachers going over vocal performances and sometimes they talk about like, oh, going with easier vowels and consonants and sounds and whatever to make singing easier. Yeah. So whether he did it for that reason, you know, or if he was just like, yeah, this, look at this, I'm snotty. Look how stylish <laughs> this is sort of thing. Oh, right. Man. Like, I feel like he always kind of had strange word pronunciations. But yeah. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I'm also surprised every time this song comes on because I always feel like it's later in the album. Also, I'm like, I check. I don't know how many times I checked and be like, wait, am I on random? Why am I already on I Miss You? I'm like, oh, no, it's literally the third track on the album. Yeah. Like, it's it's right up there. Uh, the next uh, single that they released was Down, and I, I, I knew this was, like, kind of a favorite of people's, and it's it's interesting because... Like the fact that the chorus is more mellowed out than the rest of the song is like the opposite of what you think right. how things should be, right? Um, I also didn't realize, or I did realize, but I forgot entirely that there's a video for this song, and it's a fantastic video. So that's one where they're like changing the three, like the screen. No, is split in three. No, oh. that's the next one. That's always, but oh, okay. but uh, yeah, but this song is like they're playing. I referenced this earlier with violence. They're playing in this like spray painted room. And uh, it's you know they're they're doing their thing or whatever, but then like the all the other footage is of like this guy who's living in L.A. and he's like hosting a party or whatever, and the cops show up and the cop is played the main cops played by Terry Crews, and it turns into like this um, like car chase sort of thing through like the L.A. River I think it is or whatever, oh, okay. uh, and it just reminds me of GTA because in GTA Five uh, they actually recreated the L- and you can like go down and drive in there or whatever. So I'm like, oh man, this is like where GTA Five came from. Uh, but it's just like a great video because like their their performance is energetic and then you've got this kind of story going on. I, I don't know. I was like, wait, how did I forget that this video exists? Especially since it's like it might be one of my favorites of theirs. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I just like uh, and the more I listen to the song kind of closely, the more incredible it actually gets. Like the songwriting, the you know the the, the composition. Like I don't know, it's just really good when you listen to it. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the, it's the chorus used to bug me a little bit when it would like mellow out, go down, 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 right? Yeah. Like it was just like, but nowadays I'm like, I put it on, I'm like, oh, I, I in my notes somewhere said this this album is a headphone experience more than any other Blink record, I think. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, like there's so much stuff going on that when you listen with headphones, you're like picking up on. Uh, and then finally, their their final single off this record was Always, which you mentioned great concept for a video where they like split it into three it's like all all of them are interacting yeah interacting with this girl or whatever and it's i don't know i just thought it was a pretty i pretty great video i actually for the longest time thought that song like this song always was on neighborhoods because i didn't recognize the video when i first saw it just a couple years ago and i was like oh that must have been on neighborhoods and i'm like no wait a minute like I really know this song, and I and you know at that time I never really listened to Neighborhoods, so I was like, "What the?" And I realized, I'm like, "Oh, this came out, and I totally, totally missed it." Like that would have been at the time when, for me, anyways, I didn't have cable. I was living with roommates, right? So I didn't really see the video very yeah. often, and uh, so just kind of missing on all that. Whereas now, you know, with YouTube being so, because this would have been before YouTube too. Um, now with YouTube being, it's like you're just like, "Oh yeah." music videos for something you'll find it right yeah, so oh, for sure um, but let's uh maybe get into our closing thoughts um on this record I, I mean, on these records kind of combined i just want to say like the more i listen to untitled 
the more I really am brought back and going, oh yeah, I actually really do like this record. It's very rarely the one that when I go, I want to listen to Blink, that it's very rarely the one that I actually think of, right? Like that would be, that would be Dude Ranch, Anima of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, right? But in, in prepping for this and listening to it, I couldn't help but just appreciate what this record really i think is especially as a pop punk record I th- because i think it it gets above that um as a whole like they just did so much more without in my mind anyway without really losing who they were like yeah i guess they lost the silly side that wasn't there on this record i'm sure they yeah, were still definitely. i'm sure it was still part of their live banter you know some of that yeah. but like it's so weird when bands like make that transition where it's like also it's like all light and fun and silly and then they, you know, get a little more serious and, and, and whatever. But um but yeah, you know, with Dude Ranch, it's still like when I want to put something on that's kinda like where I wanna go. It's yeah, super great sure. to like to just like put on and have a good time and lighthearted and listen to and whatever. But if I really want to sit down and listen to something, I found that like uh, Untitled just became more and more of that record where I was like, no, oh, I just want to put this on and what am I going to discover this time in listening to it? But mm. so, what are what are your closing thoughts on these albums? I feel like with Untitled, I need to make a playlist of just like the songs that I really like because I don't know if I'll ever go and kind of like re-listen through the whole thing again. Like, there's definitely enough songs on here that I enjoyed to go yeah. back and listen. Um, yeah, it's kind of just the thought that came to mind is when we talked about the used album. How now right. I maybe don't appreciate it or like it as much as I did, whereas this one I think I do more so now for whatever reason. Um, you know, I kind of just brushed it off when it came out, or I was into heavier stuff or whatever. Um, yeah, it just it, it sounded good this week. There's a lot to it. You know, I think you know with Dude Ranch you can put it on, play it through once, and it's like all right, the, you know, I kind of get what's going on here. Great album. But with this, it kind of makes you you know there's a bit more to chew on. And so mm-hmm. maybe you just have to be in the right kind of setting or mindset to to really get into it. And but it, it helps to you know as I was looking up, you know whether it's just on Wikipedia or wherever, you know, or just even having that you know that backstory on uh, Asthenia. It's like okay, you know, I didn't like that intro, but now I know what it is. Okay, that makes right. sense. It's what the yeah. song is about, and I feel there's just a lot more of that on this album instead of oh, if it's a song about a party or about whatever, right? Yeah, and uh, and so maybe yeah. <laughs> I'm just not the kind of person to sit down and like read all these notes on this and be like, oh, like you know, maybe that's a bit too com com um, completative, com to <laughs> contemplate, contemplative, whatever the word is for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like with this album, it takes some. Maybe that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Like it just takes yeah. some more kind of like growing with it and maybe just because I didn't do that I've I've kind of lost that touch. Sure. Yeah, no, and that and that's fair and yeah, it was a record that immediately I I enjoyed listening to. Yeah, it was different, but so to come back, you know, like years later and really kind of take a closer look is always fun. But I did actually post on our Instagram asking for some people to share their kind of thoughts and what have you on these two records. Uh and so on Instagram Vinyl Geek Mafia said, uh, I was pissed as a kid when the burned copy of Untitled I got from a friend was the edited version. Is edited music still a thing? Which is funny because uh, Blink-182, I fully remember them having edited versions of albums. Mm, I don't know if I ever heard one of those. 
I definitely did. I never owned them, but I remember hearing them. I'm trying to think. Like it just um, bleeps it out or what? Like it, Well, it's not like a bleep. It would just like edit, you know, the words out. So like, uh, for instance, um, oh, what's the song on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket? Uh, Happy Holidays or whatever, which yeah. is the one that's like, it's Christmas Eve and I've only rapped to, right? Yeah. Like that song, there's no lyrics in the edited version of that album. It's just an instrumental track, which is <laughs> hilarious. Like, ah, we're not gonna just, we're not gonna. End on yeah, that we're not gonna bother. Word. Yeah, and then there was uh, quite the conversation that happened when uh, David from Jimmy Eat Pod, who's going to be on an upcoming episode, uh, said this. He said, "Lemmings is my." He's a big Blink Blink fan. Uh, he said, "Lemmings is my all-time favorite Blink song." The summer I realized I was growing apart from the friends I grew up with and becoming my own person was a difficult time and a difficult thing to come to terms with. That song speaks to me on that level specifically, much like Truth of My Youth from Newfound Glory, Here I Am Alive from Yellow Card, uh, or I should say, and Here I Am Alive yeah. uh, by Yellow Card. Uh, the untitled record has Stockholm Syndrome, which I just can't fathom being more perfect of a song, which we didn't really talk about it too much. Um, I want to know exactly the syncopation slash time signature used in the verses. They never play it live how it is on the record, and I assume because it's too hard to play slash count that way. To say that uh, the untitled record is a mood would be both a disservice but also extremely accurate, which then led into a conversation specifically about uh, the time signature on Stockholm Syndrome. Because I got back and I said, after listening, I'm pretty sure it's just in 4-4, which it is, but it's syncopated. And then so uh, I said... There's got to be something slash someone out there who can answer this question, to which uh, a guy by the name of Paul P. Hoover got back, said, uh, it sounds to me like Stockholm Syndrome by Blink-182 is indeed in 4-4, with the accents falling on 1 and 2 and 3. It's a bit deceptive because you don't hear the initial uh, downbeat at the beginning of the song, kind Mm. of like the drum intro to Led Zeppelin's Rock and Roll, which starts on 3 and, but you don't get to hear the beats leading up to it. So it's kind of interesting because, yeah, when you hear the song start, it's like, huh? <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah, and then I, you off a bit. And I do feel like there's some kind of switch, too, going from, uh, like, the chorus into the bridge at the end of the song. But, uh, again, that's just one of those things that's kind of interesting to listen to on this record and hear them experiment a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's, maybe some, some of those pieces I just couldn't get into as much. Well, and, like... I had never really thought about Stockholm Syndrome and being like, what's going on here, right? Like, because, it, I mean, when it comes in, it's just like, okay, it's just a thing and they're doing a thing and it's a good song in my mind, right? But, uh, which, as, which, as I said, Mark has at, said at one point in time, gone on the record saying it's his favorite Blink song. So both apparently of his favorite Blink songs hmm. uh, come off this record. But that will, uh, that'll do it. Next week, we're going we're, we're gonna to take a break from the Blink-182 series again. We are going to come back, not with more Blink-182 in the future. Uh, the next episode in this series is going to be about an aforementioned band, Boxcar Racer, and Plus 44, because those were, uh, you know, some side projects that happened over the course of Blink-182. We're going to talk about those. But next week, we're going to talk about the Wonder Years. I said it was going to happen. I said, Aaron... You keep saying you're not really into the Wonder Years, so we're going to listen to them. Uh, we're going to talk about their albums, The Greatest Generation and No Closer to Heaven, um, which I'm sure some people would say, why don't you talk about Suburbia? Which is great. Suburbia is real good, but those are the two that I want to talk about. Yeah, so we're awesome. going to get into those. Um, yeah, before we get out of here, make sure you follow us. I probably should have said this off the top, and I don't think I did. Uh, go follow us on our social media accounts, at Growing Punk Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you will find... 
our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. Wherever you're listening to the show, rate it, review it, subscribe, all that stuff. Please tell your friends. Share it with your friends. Know any Blink fans? Share this with them. Sorry. You the, don't, the yeah. 12 million that bought the albums, <laughs> I don't know any of them. Yeah, share share, uh, <laughs> share this with your friends who are fans of Blink so that they can listen to it and be like, those guys are idiots, uh, or man, those guys are brilliant, or just somewhere in between. Who knows? <laughs> but anyways, that will do it for another episode. So goodbye. Specialists Dr. Stone and Mission Commander Matthew Kowalski are the sole survivors of the SDS-157.